Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. there and welcome to Think the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. I'm your host, the Unabomber, <laughs> Ryan Key. <laughs> hey, I'm Nick, and Ryan's not really the Unabomber. He just has his hood on and glasses. And, and looks disheveled. <laughs> yeah. Unshaven. He's the duo bomber? Tri, tri- bomber? You can't be the original uni. You gotta be a, a sequel. I feel inside my body the way I look to you that made you make that comment <laughs> from my festivities last eve. Uh, where were you? What happened? I was in no longer Epcot Center, just Epcot. Interesting. But I was at Epcot and was with a group of friends that decided to go to Epcot for the sole purpose of doing the drinking around the world. Which, if you don't know what that is, there are 11 countries, although one of them is America, which is weird. <laughs> it's like Inception. You're in the U.S. while you're in the U.S. <laughs> but there's 11 countries, each of which have their own beers and cocktails and wine and whatever. And you just have to have one. You don't have to, like, do a specific thing. You can have whatever you want. But you have to have a one drink in each country to complete the, the challenge. There's T-shirts for this thing dude you can buy um there's like pin there's like a, a pin you can get someone made on etsy to like commemorate your completion commemorate your hangover but anyways <laughs> my better half and i and our friends made it through all 11 countries and i feel like dog poop <laughs> thus why i look like dog poop <laughs> bantha poop bantha Poodoo. I uh, I had five five beers on Saturday celebrating a, a buddy's birthday and uh, yeah dog poop for me after yep. five beers. We I had a Viking coffee. I had sake. I had plum wine. I had I I could keep going. But <laughs> you had a lot of drinks. You had eleven it drinks. Sucks. Now it was fun then. Uh, and you and all being different drinks that doesn't help either. Oh no, man. I was trying to pound the water in between, but it didn't fully saved me I, I and and we had to get up and fly this morning it was, it was oh. one of those like alarm went off and we were both like <gasps> oh. oh no like maybe we don't get on the flight it, dude <laughs> flight was delayed all day so we're oh, just God. sitting in the airport oh, like no. doing the groaning and moaning and like leaning on each other like <laughs> okay your turn yeah it was rough but all all good at the happiest place on earth where i love to go <laughs> so it's fine Oh, boy. You'll see how shitty I look in the after show video, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) We have a guest today, tonight, whenever you're listening. A dude who we met. We'll talk about how we met after I say your name. Mike Forrester, known to the world as the owner, creator of Hondo Supply. Thank you for having me. Welcome. I'm, I'm super excited. I don't feel hungover from alcohol. I feel hungover because I got the second Fauci ouchie. Uh, so I'm doing I'm doing my part, and uh, I'm happy to be here and fully recovered after a 24 hour sweat fest. So I feel I'm ready I'm ready for the two now that I'm feeling vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. nice. For those who don't know, Hondo Supply is uh, kind of like a an unlicensed Star Wars merch kind of company. You make these awesome little ID badges and commemorative coins and different little trinkets it's one right here i'm pointing at yeah i've got some over here we've we've talked about them before um tell us a little bit about that and how you got that started because we met you online by just finding your stuff and thinking oh that's tight and then you were hitting us up and tinder we met we met him on tinder let me let me actually tell you we swiped the right direction to that's we swiped right (laughs) let me tell you an even funnier story so in 2003 uh i went to uh warp tour and uh, Story of the Year opened for The Used at a makeup show from a canceled show earlier that summer. 
And uh, so the story of the year played and opened up for the use in a, gosh, it was the basement of Clutch Cargos, which is a tiny, tiny little venue that's no oh, longer yeah. a music venue anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, with one of those. There's a church, right? Clutch it Cargos? It was a church. Yep. 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 And uh, it's back to a church now. So you you guys. Love that. Spread your <laughs> demon seed all over that place. So, um, <laughs> so we ended up having. So we went to this show, incredible show, one of the best shows I think I've ever been to, and I'm you know a whopping 17 years old at the time, and um, you know the show's over. Bouncer comes up. He's like, "You guys got to go," and uh, we went to a Catholic high school, and uh, and we had this very synonymous uh, Crusader cross necklace. And uh, Adam and I, I think, are both recovering Catholics at this point. Yes. Um, and so he, was, we were like, "Hey, you've," and I think you had one of those necklaces on. Yeah. Holy, I totally forgot about this. Holy shit. Yeah. So I, we went up and we're like, "Hey, man, you got the you got the Crusader cross." He goes, "You guys go to a Jesuit school?" We're like, "Yeah, man." He's like, "Holy cow, that's that's incredible." Why don't you guys just come backstage and just hang out? And we're like. Sure. Well, there's not really a backstage at this place. It's pretty much you walk up two steps and there you are at the back door. So uh, I drank my first Corona. <laughs> that was my first experience with uh, uh, Mexican beer, which was lovely. And uh, and when we walked up, there was the barricade for people uh, that were getting stuff signed. Um, and we didn't, we just walked right into it. And uh, people were shoving CDs on our faces. My friend Jewel and I. <laughs> Uh, and so we signed those albums. <laughs> so if, if someone if someone is listening to the Story of the Year podcast or listens to this through Story of the Year, um, and uh, you're looking down and going, why why are there seven autographs on this CD? <laughs> um, I apologize for devaluing your stuff, uh, but that is my autograph on there. So I signed. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We were, we were just there at the right place at the right time. So thank you, Adam, for introducing me to Corona when I was. A questionable age, yeah. Uh, Breaking the law, yeah. That's somebody else. Uh, somebody else did that for sure. Um, and here we are, fifteen, twenty years later, almost. Yeah, uh, wow. doing a Star Wars podcast together. So yeah, life is weird. Life is weird and sometimes awesome. We also have mutual friends, or one mutual friend for sure, that tipped me off. That was like, yo, my buddy Mike. He ma- he makes those things, like uh, you know, blah blah blah. Danny, yeah, Curly. Yep. who uh, worked for All Time Low for years. Does he still work for All Time Low? Guitar yeah. uh, I think he's. I think he's doing property management now. Oh, well. Yeah, and he, he, he was a guitar player in our uh, band for a couple fill-in spots in high school, and life is weird. <laughs> One degree of separation away, essentially. Star Wars community is very small. And with the Star Wars thing, like... I remember seeing your stuff, and we were, we were trying to connect with as many accounts, you know, social media accounts and different stuff like that when we were coming up with the podcast last year and i noticed your stuff right away as just being really well done and really cool and then you're, you're just the kind of person who seems to connect and network and and just i don't know you're just like a, a, a very social dude and on social media sometimes that really works and um it's really like your stuff so tell us about hondo supply a little bit or tell the listeners because it's it's dope so i have um you know so i'm a i've been a designer for gosh, 20 years. Um, and since I've, I've been in high school, um, I used to work in the snowboard industry. I used to design snowboards and uh, a couple, a couple fairly big brands and worked for a, I don't know, people have probably heard of Burton snowboards. Yeah. Duh. I worked in the auto industry for a little bit and then worked in, uh, I, I'm the creative director for a big university here in Michigan. And so when 2020 happened in the way that it all did, not that anyone needs to be reminded of that excellent year, I kind of started saying, you know, I wonder if I could kind of get into the prop world and start connecting with other people who who were looking for something unique that felt still Star Wars-y uh, and something that we could customize. There's a great little shop that I work with down the street, and it kind of got it, it kind of got me start thinking about, you know, if I could make things for people that felt customized to them that originally were for other people in the 501st Legion, the costuming group that I'm in who makes the movie accurate costumes. And I wanted to do something that basically would allow for us to be able to show our individual trooper tags. And if that was through, you know, originally started as dog tags. And then I found out I, we had the technology to be able to actually print uh, people's pictures on them. And I said, well, this seems like it's it, it makes sense then. It, it could be a lot of fun for a lot of people to do that. And so I posted one up in the group. And I said, hey, I made this. And I was thinking if I go to Galaxy's Edge, it'd be fun to show the stormtroopers that walk around there, 
you know, don't worry, I'm, I'm on your side, man. I've got, you know, I've got the credentials. <laughs> yeah. You know, walk into Oga's and say, Hey, I mean, you know, I got a you know, veterans discount. Here's my, here's my ID. <laughs> right. And, um, and it blew up. I mean, literally I had people, I had probably 50 people sending me messages and being like, how do I get one? What do I do? And I said, all right, clearly this hit the right chord with some people. And that's kind of where Honda Supply uh, turned into. And there was just a lot of stuff. I think a big point of what it is that I always try to do is, you know, people make replicas of stuff that's already in the parks. And I always wanted to have my own spin on it. So I never, I always wanted to try to respect the integrity of the designers that actually already did that stuff rather than rip something off. And I always wanted to contribute. I didn't want to replace anything. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's where, you know, the citizens medallions where, you know, people buy them and they give them to people who are the citizens of Batu, the, the cast members that work there. It's just a way to say, thank you for being awesome and making my experience when I go to Batu a magical place because they are a huge part of what makes Batu what it is. Yeah, I've definitely noticed uh, you get those ID cards specifically into the hands of some uh, high-profile Star Wars people. Let everyone know who. Uh, I'm sure there's a couple you could say that you're you were stoked making. Yeah, I think the first person that I I made a card for that really responded to it was Chris Bartlett, and he is uh, he's the guy who played Zero on the Mandalorian. He was in the mm-hmm. uh, the bounty hunter, the the calculations droid in yeah. uh, the in the Prison Break episode, and he's also uh, Luke one of Lucasfilm's C three POs. So he was the C three PO on on Lego Masters, and there aren't that many C three POs out there in the costuming world. And uh, so I reached out to Chris and I said, hey, I'd love to make you a very specific C-3PO card. And he's the nicest person. So he's like, whoa, yeah, man, go for it. So it kind of turned into this thing where it was like, well, I could kind of go make whatever I want, send it to these people and just see what they think about it. And uh, he was so excited to have this and, you know, send it to me with his, you know, actual costume that's up on display. And, you know, and, and then from there it turned into... You know, I knew that Ryan was was friends with Ashley Eckstein. Um, and so I, I was like, hey, let's what do we decide? You were going to go down there with them, Ryan, I think. Right. And, and yeah, we were going to Disney World in December. Ashley, her husband and I and, and a couple other friends. But just thought of like the ultimate way to score points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so so we made we made a really cool Ahsoka Tano, you know, specific ID um, and then made one for her husband, too, which obviously, you know, MVP of the World Series. Yeah, I was going to say, that's no, yeah. no slouch. Right. Yeah, right, right. And he also beat the Tigers. You know, my team is the Tigers. So I was like, oh, yeah, I know exactly who that guy is because he uh, dissected us. <laughs> um, but he, uh, you know, so to, to start making them um, for, for some of the celebrities and people have been on the show for them, it's like I, I don't. You know, I try to make something that's use it almost as have them be a way for us to look at how could I make uh, something that is different and unique that obviously plays up the characters of who they are uh, and, and allows me to make something specific. So, yeah, I think at this point we've made them for Ashley, David Eckstein. I, I have one sitting here for Katie Sackoff, Bo-Katan, and Chris Bartlett has been great. And I have a couple others lined up that I'm trying to uh, – I'd like to present them at cons when we get to go back and go to conventions mm-hmm. again. That yeah. would be really cool. So, um, yeah, it's it's been an absolutely wild ride. I would have never thought it would have turned into what it is and have the connections that we have now. Speaking of cons, you were uh, you were at the last celebration, right? I was. In costume, I assume, as a 501st member. Yeah. So you have – Three, you're telling us before you have you have three different trooper outfits, three different variants, right? Yeah, so I've got a sand trooper, I've got a snow trooper, and I've got a biker scout, and I wanted to build one from the three original trilogy films. And then currently in the works, I've um, my wife is going to listen to this, so I guess I might as well just rip the bandaid off. Um, <laughs> I do have a shore trooper and another TK, which is another st- standard stormtrooper, uh, and I'm almost finished with my Din Djarin uh, Mandalorian. So yeah, Dude, but yeah. If, I see the helmet back there. Yeah, you know, if I tell, it's always like the whole. Uh, You'll never believe what I, everything I got on sale, I got everything on sale. Uh, and uh, you'll never believe what a, a great deal I found. So it was only this many thousands of dollars. <laughs> exactly. But you know but what? But it could I, have been this many. It could have been, it could have been much worse. It would, it would have been ridiculous for, for me to not buy this. So that's how I kind of justify it. But yeah, going to celebration as a 501st member is really cool because the 501st is all based on almost like old school message boards um, because there's build threads that show how to build every single costume and there's all this great communication so over through time you have these 
the pe- same people reply to you and they end up being really helpful and, you know, oh, I, you know, you don't really know some of these people's names. You just know them as, you know, here's Chopper. He's the guy who knows <laughs> how to do all the biker scout stuff. And then to go to celebration and you're like, hey, you're you're Chopper? And he's like, yeah, man, what's up? You know, so it's yeah. it's really funny to, to have those connections. And then at celebration where people travel from all over the world and the 501st is is all over the world. And so you get this specifically this awesome character. I think he's from New Zealand uh, and he does a Rex and he shaves his head, dyes his hair blonde. Nice. And actually- I've met him. I have a picture with him. Yes, right? And so he- I met him at the last one, yeah. Yeah, he has an- I mean, he has the- the accent naturally yeah. and he's kind of a short stocky guy and you're like holy cow this is you know you're rex you know and 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 it's really cool to have to meet up with those people um that you you kind of feel like you develop relationships with and then for an event as amazing as celebration it it makes you experience something like that in a whole different way yeah dude i went with a friend producer kurt who's a part of this podcast who has an amazing accurate 501st registered boba fett Yep. And I went with a janky ass Jedi costume, <laughs> you know, like really kind of just cobbled together. And it was such a cool experience to just be in costume at all, even though mine was hella janky. You know, I had my Master Replicas, Graflex, Skywalker Saber, yeah. my janky outfit. But I felt like it just felt so good. Like I'm getting goosebumps thinking about like standing at the top of the stairwell with a lightsaber ignited, having my friend take a picture so I could caption it. I have the high ground. You know what I mean? <laughs> Naturally. And it really is like the kind of thing where it doesn't matter how good your costume is. Just doing it, finishing it, and then being there in that community is a whole different experience than just showing up at an event. You know what I mean? You're part of it. For sure. We actually, so we went there and they also had Chicago Cubs Star Wars Day over the same weekend. And so I signed up to go and do that. And uh, all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, we're going to take you into the press basement of the of Wrigley Field and you're getting dressed in the, you know, owner's quarters and uh, you know, I'm standing here being like, oh, this is a Wrigley Field is a lovely place from the inside. <laughs> and uh and you're getting dressed, you're helping Darth Vader put his helmet on and and doing all that stuff. And and then you go out and you meet, you know, they let us out into the front lawn. Wrigley has this great like front lawn area where people can can hang out and watch the, you know, kind of do the pregame. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of stormtroopers came out and everyone, you know, take a million pictures with people. And, you know, you don't get, I just feel like you don't get a lot of those opportunities if you weren't obviously within that group because we're officially recognized by Lucasfilm. And so there's always, you know, you get the call. I mean, that's how the 501st members ended up on The Mandalorian. Yeah. And so there, there is a difference, you know, and you do sign a contract that through you know, the 501st Legion that kind of says, hey, you know, you're going to represent Lucasfilm uh, the way that we would expect someone that respects the property to do it. So you do have that regard of professionalism that people say, yeah, we're cool with Lucasfilm and they, they lean on us when they need to. And that's what that's what kind of elevates it a little bit rather than just feeling like a bunch of people who spent way too much on Halloween costumes. Yeah. But more so it's about being uh, part of a community that obviously cares and loves Star Wars as much as you do. And and then to go even further into understanding what goes into these costumes, you'd be shocked at how nuanced the difference between all of the costumes can be, especially for a film franchise that's 50 years old at this point. Yeah, and that's that, That's like a, a double-edged, like a multifaceted kind of feature of the 501st. Is not only is it this amazing resource for people to create their own costumes and this high bar that's set to become an official 501st member, it's also so exhaustive and so screen accurate that it, for the past, I don't know how many years, has become a resource for Lucasfilm because they know, like the Droid Builders Clubs, the 501st, all these different organizations and prop builders they've done more research than all of lucasfilm combined over all the years and they look to them to get like the most screen accurate shit they don't even bat an eye like yeah these people know what they're doing (laughs) that's great and that's kind of the funny part is you know because like chris chris built that that c-3po costume himself it's not like lucasfilm (laughs) has an archive and you know oh yeah come into the closet this is the 3po closet just see if it fits you right um no these these costumes have to be built to your body and so once you you have this costume that is you know makes you look accurate you're exactly right think about it in terms of you have a job you get hired you're a prop master on a show you come in you do the job and 
you know, Frank Ippolito talked about it on, on the resistant broadcast, but he goes, yeah, we accidentally put the knees on the scout trooper upside down in the Mandalorian. <laughs> and it threw the 501st, like you would have thought, like pee in your cornflakes, this was the most offensive <laughs> thing that could have happened to the biker scouts. And he goes, but the truth is, is that if you put the kneecaps on upside down, they're more comfortable. And I, as a biker scout, agree with that. <laughs> so he just did it and he goes, oh yeah, and everyone is all mad about it. And he goes, and then did we have the opportunity to change it for season two? We did, but did we? No, we kept it the same thing. <laughs> so I think it's kind of awesome that you do have um, this this group of people who are so dedicated to learning the ins and outs of these costumes. And what really makes costuming really fun is that you're really putting the people who make the costumes and who have done for Star Wars which in my opinion is the most iconic in terms of visual production is, is the most iconic series of all time. Um, Stormtroopers and Darth Vader are the most recognizable bad guys of all time, maybe next to a generic vampire, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm trying to, I'm, Hitler, the, uh, <laughs> the list is short. Right. Exactly. But everybody knows right up there with a MiG 28. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Smaller, faster, more maneuverable. I, I up there with Iceman himself. So I feel like um, it, it, it lets it, it takes the costume designers and puts them up on a level and props them up because their decision making was just, you know, David Prowse was in the suit, but his voice wasn't there. And he was a guy that was in a suit. But the fact that most people don't know who was the original designer of that Japanese style helmet and the choices that went into making the chess piece and making this half cyborg, half Sith Lord, you know, that the 501st is a costuming group that elevates and, and recognizes those people as your work is incredible and it's just as iconic. And so it puts those people up on a level of, you know, saying Harrison Ford, amazing as Han Solo, of course, but he didn't pick out his costume. He didn't make the DL-44, right? Right. Um, that was all somebody else that did that. And so we associate so many of those costumes in Star Wars with the actors, but those were different people. And so for us as a group, as a group of customers, we're putting those people on the same level of appreciation as the actors themselves. Yeah, they're rock stars to nerds like us, you know? 100%. And it, you know, that, that, that kneecap thing is so funny for the bike. Like maybe that, maybe in canon, you could, there'll be like a, what are the books from a certain point of view books? There'll be one for the yeah. Mandalorian. It'll be like a story about the bike trooper who's like just having a bad day and put his shirt on backwards, you know? Like, He's like figured out they were more comfortable and then it spread yeah, yeah, through the yeah. ranks. He's like, yeah, they, <laughs> yeah. they're not going to notice. Like commander's not going to notice. Lieutenant's yeah. not going to notice. Just, you just put them on upside down. They're so much better. <laughs> yeah. They're like the empire's gone. I'm finally switching these kneecaps. <laughs> exactly. There's no one around here to bust my balls. So I'm flipping these damn things. They're so much more comfortable. Oh, that's great. Well, the, that was kind of the thing was the Mandalorian apologists were like, well, remember, this is the remnant. This is the Empire remnant. <laughs> yeah. So their costumes aren't as up to keep, you know, because, you know, you remember seeing the 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 stormtroopers for the first time in Mandalorian when he goes in to, you know, deal with the client and the troopers just, filthy. Yeah, they just look emaciated, so you know. Love it. I love right. it. Right. And so and so that was kind of the whole thing was like, oh, the costumes aren't up to standard because they're they're hurting for resources. And I'm like, yeah, they're hurting for resources. And they flip their knees upside down, like ultimate form of like, <laughs> dude, next level. Yeah, that's how we're going to save money, dude. Flip those kneecaps. <laughs> we you won't know? break them as much. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dude, so all this time you've spent as a 501st member, as a prop builder, has led you to do something pretty awesome that's going to be associated with our podcast. You're starting your own podcast. Yes, I waited until 2021 to start my own podcast because I knew that many people were burned out on podcasts in 2020. <laughs> so I let Thank the Maker do all the hard work and then... Came to came to you, Adam, and said, "Hey, I've got this idea to do a podcast." 
And I'm super excited because this will air. This is at this point, you're listening to it. It's Thursday. There is going to be a new podcast that we're going to run kind of within Think the Maker Network, and it's going to be called Armor Party. Armor Party is a reference to when 501st members, you have someone new who's bought their armor and they'll come to, uh, you know, someone's house and they'll actually get help building their costume by a more experienced member who's done this. And uh, it's kind of a common theme throughout the 501st. It says, yeah, let's do an armor party and everyone can bring stuff that they're working on and we'll all help each other figure it out. And so what I want to do with this podcast is highlight some of the incredible costumers that already exist within the Star Wars space. I'd love to talk to people who have actually been a part of making the costumes for the shows and the films and really kind of making it as a place for people who are considering getting into uh, costuming. It's so overwhelming to get into it. And I think the more people you listen to that share this hobby, the more you'll be able to rationalize a decision that no normal adult should be making. Yeah. So I'll say that right now, this is not for normal people who go, should I spend $1,000 on a Stormtrooper costume? Uh, the, your financial advisor would say no, but <laughs> I'll say yes. And yeah. uh, you'll find that there are thousands of other people who would agree with you on that. So Armor Party is going to be a podcast that's going to highlight a lot of incredible people within the costuming community and encourage people to join and basically become part of the Star Wars universe. Dude, this is so exciting to me because I... When I started thinking about actually making some props for real, making some costumes for real, I, of course, went to YouTube, and I, I had already watched tons of things just because it's stuff I'm into, but specifically looking for tutorials, how-tos, and trying to get insight. And I really wanted a podcast that could give me some of that because I can't always be looking at a, at a screen, and I couldn't find anything, really. I found a f few things. I found a, an older 501st podcast, but nothing that gave me the kind of resources I wanted or the insight that I wanted in podcast form. So I'm excited for you to fill that void. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people who have really kind of become, I mean, there's, you know, three people that have really, really come out on top in terms of being helpful for making even my most recent build, the Din Djarin Mandalorian. And these are guys who have just put in so much research into doing screen caps and met, you know, doing basically pseudo measurements of like how big the thin, you know, the, the thigh piece should be. And, you know, okay, if, you know, Pedro Pascal is five, nine, let's like measure this. Yeah, you know, yeah. through, and it's like, they've done incredible work and so fast. That's been the other thing is like, it is insane at how fast some of these people can turn costumes around. It's like the fact that we have almost an entire bad batch live action customers <laughs> yeah. before the shows even come out is incredible. Yeah. yeah, right. And so it 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 I want to highlight those people because I'm coming at it from a level of I'm always someone who wants to learn. And I can tell you right now that this Din Djarin costume is absolutely kicking my ass, especially being in a northern state where I can't paint that often because it's very cold where I am most of the year. And and you're sitting here going, okay, I'm trying to compete with a prop house that's based in Los Angeles, yeah. where the weather is at least fairly consistent versus uh, literally this morning, let's see, it's Tuesday, 420. It snowed an inch and a half in my house today. <laughs> it's snowing in Nashville tonight, overnight. Wow. We're getting it's snowed here yeah. as well. Yeah, right. the world's messed. Well, it was about 90 yesterday and about 70 today. So. <laughs> yeah. Here. Those variables are still uh, within uh, what Alumiluster chrome paint would still allow for. Uh, that's okay. But uh, most certainly not negative temps. So I think highlighting the the costumers who are putting in that work to making these costumes accessible for people so that they're able to bring them to life and, and make it easy. So that exactly like to your point, Adam, here's a YouTube series. A lot of them do have their own how-to series. And so being able to highlight what got them started and where they screwed up and where they learned, where they found their success, uh, I think is, is a really great opportunity to highlight them and say thank you, of course, for all that they do for the prop community, and then to plug some people into them and help get them plugged in to have more people learn from them and say, I want to, this seems like I'm overwhelmed with what goes into making a costume and this great how-to makes it so that I can take my time and hit pause and go, okay, let me finish up what he's talking about and then go from there. So that's the point of the podcast. I think it's going to be awesome. I'm super excited to highlight uh, some of these people and share off the talent that truly exists within this community. 
and help get more nerds in costumes. <laughs> and make Think the Maker a network. Yeah. That's pretty cool to say. The Think the yeah. Maker network of podcasts. Network of two is still a network. <laughs> yeah. You got to start somewhere. There can't be three now or else we know that one of them's going to have to get uh, knocked off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We're a Sith network, huh? <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Sorry, mom. Which would make me, which would make me nervous if all of a sudden there's a third one. I'm gonna be like, oh yeah. no, much younger <laughs> and stronger. Am I Dooku? <laughs> yeah, just getting their head cut off. Hey, I just thought of a crazy question. Sure. I'm sitting in my, as you can see, my own den of antiquities, all my Star Wars toys. Yeah. Is there a way, like you would take, like say Hunter from the Bad Batch, the new figure that just came out, and like look at measurements on that or shapes of things on a figure? and make it into a build for something that isn't on screen that much. Yeah, so Hot Toys, ironically, they're actually usually start off as the most accurate representation of what we have to look at Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of, you know, they they obviously have the production models way ahead of time. And sometimes the, the, the characters themselves, the six scale models will leak ahead of time. And it's actually given some insight you know, traditionally you see like the Mandalorian, we only saw Din from the front. We had no idea that there was a little piece that was cut out in his cape to hook the rifle onto his back. We Mm -hmm. had no idea how he actually did that. We didn't know if it was a full sling. We didn't know how they did that. And then to find out that he actually had a back piece under the cape, we didn't know that. And so the, you know, Hot Toys came out and it showed the cape flowing all beautifully. And we were like, "There's a he's got a back piece on." Okay, that sounds cool. Uh, and and so we use Hot Toys as a, a initial reference, but obviously there you know there are some people who will use something like Hot Toys and they'll try to make a costume based off the measurements. Um, usually, what happens is in the in the prop community, everybody tries to rush to be the first, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, y- you know, you'll get someone who's like, you know, here's my Mando helmet; it looks great. And then another guy comes in and goes, well, I studied it a little bit harder. And then the prop community goes, whoa, this one's more accurate. And I'm like cracking up. Mm-hmm. And if you would know the difference, most people, like we were talking, this is the craziness of this, of this hobby. Most people have no idea the difference. I mean, TIE pilots still get called Darth Vader because they're glossy black. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, we definitely use references for the modelers, I know, to to look at specific parts that normally we wouldn't have access to. But it, it's Star Wars has always been so great about kind of reusing parts. And most recent is, uh, you know, you recognize in what was the episode of The Mandalorian where they uh, had to get the Tabana to the, uh, you know, where the, the trucks, the ICATs. Oh, yeah, the Bill Burr episode. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So that was a mud trooper body from Solo. Mm-hmm. And then they had the the hover tank helmets from Rogue One, and they just colored them a different way. And then they had, when they arrived there, that was the only other time we've seen the shore troopers, the tan troopers, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides we saw them on Scarif in Rogue One. So it was cool to see them, that they were the same costumes from Rogue One, and there were a couple little differences, but it goes to show you the Star Wars prop community, you know, they know those differences between, you know, this this costume is used here, this costume is used here, what can we recycle for parts? And just like, you know, Han's helmet in Solo, when they land on Mimban, right, that muddy planet in Solo, that helmet that he has was modeled off um, General Veers' helmet in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Right? So they reuse little parts like that all throughout Star Wars, and I think it's awesome that in the new stuff we get is still inspired clearly by to make it feel like it's part of the original trilogy and it all makes so much sense too you know like nothing that has to be that mass produced for that kind of reason like a you know especially during wartime just gets made from scratch you know it's like how do we take something that works well modify it for its new purpose and mass produce the living shit out of it you know some people would maybe call it lazy to reuse stuff but i think it just represents reality you know well, and what's what's really cool about it too is that I think that they were done. It's it's been done right. I think the there were some guys because the you know the snowtroopers group is called the Blizzard Force within the five hundred first, and uh, they were kind of mad that there were new snowtroopers in Solo that weren't just the original snowtroopers. So you know we had joked that they were called the Pimp Troopers, the Range Troopers with the big white coats, yeah. and they had the you know they had the big boots, the magnetic boots, and they just looked you know swanky as hell. Big pimping. Big pimping. So 
you know, then you get introduced to, um, you know, the the patrol trooper, uh, which was on Corellia when when Han's escaping and it almost kind of looked like a, basically like an early evolution of the biker scout. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have obviously some amazing troopers like the shore trooper from from Rogue One. And then you have the death trooper, those tall, lean, all black guys that were uh, Krennic's guards. And you can see a lot of that inspiration was done through you know, the original, you can see all of the the pieces uh, were a combination of, you know, your standard stormtrooper helmet with the little greebly in the front that looked like the scout troopers. You know, Glenn Dillon, who is the, the concept designer for those troopers, totally did his homework and said, how can we make something that fits within this universe among the Galactic Empire itself while still giving us new things, not because they want to sell toys, but because they want to sell toys. I get it. <laughs> Dude, so... There was until I would say like five years ago, sourcing original parts based on all the research, you know, that these early prop makers, especially just, they would go to a junkyard and just find old military pieces, you know, plumbing pieces, all this kind of crap. And that's what they built lightsabers and guns and all this kind of stuff out of, right? That's still a thing, but now more than ever with 3d printing, finally being affordable, a consumer level thing, you can get a, $250 printer and get like a $10 3d file, find a link on the forums, print that shit out. And you have yourself an amazingly accurate prop. So how much easier is it and cheaper? You know, an entire suit of armor still is pretty daunting. I have a, a helmet that a friend printed for me that I'm working on. And it's, it's like nothing to me. I'm just like, Oh sweet. I'm just going to sand this shit down and I'm going to paint it up and it's going to be done. Before I was like, oh my God, how can you possibly make that? How do you see it now as now that 3D printers are such an accessible thing? So I, I finally bought last year, I ended up buying a, my own 3D printer because I was kind of in that same realm as you. I, I in generally like, you know, 3D prints are for as awesome as they are. They're also, you know, you have, you have to err on the side of caution too. So there's most common is, is your PLA filament. You know, that's your general. It's super forgiving. It prints really well. But you have to back it with like fiberglass and some other, you know, kind of basically reinforce it. The other thing about PLA is if you leave them in your car, like I have, there's a shore trooper in our in our garrison. Um, that's what the 501st states are called. Her whole costume warped because oh. she left her costume in the car. And so you can imagine the frustration of being like, what, what happened here? Um, and then you have, and then you can have some stuff like... Uh, ABS, which is uh, what they make uh, most of the actual hard plastic out of. It's like car bumpers. It's what they make full armor suits out of. That stuff's super toxic. So you kind of have to have a workspace to be able to do that with an enclosure so you're not basically poisoning yourself. But in terms of, you know, like you said, with the original trilogy stuff, yeah, Lucas, the reason that most of that stuff is based off World War II looking stuff is because he went to the prop house and that was the cheapest stuff that they'd let him use because yeah. World War II movies were the most popular thing at the time. And it's funny because my dad will see all of my costumes and I've got that big rifle that the Sand Troopers have, the you know DLT-19. If you play Battlefront, you're like, oh, that rifle's awesome. My dad's like, hey, that's an MG-34 British rifle. I'm like, yeah. well, dad, they added a little space part to it, so now it's a DLT-19. <laughs> so, so up until that part, there were, there were only a couple people that were making accurate-ish you know, costumes. And the other crazy part about it is that all of this stuff is fan-made. So there is only one licensed company that actually makes wearable Stormtrooper or wearable wearable Star Wars costumes, and they're called Anovos. You probably saw them at Celebration, um, but you have between them and EFX, which EFX actually only makes the helmets, but um, Anovos makes the full costumes. Yeah. And they've been hit with all kinds of lawsuits over people who ordered stuff from them two or three years ago. Um, and they're kind of, they're a bit of a mess to order from. And so a lot of this stuff, stuff's not cheap. It's not cheap. Exactly. And so you can often get unlicensed stuff, which obviously gets into a moral, you know, legal gray area. But even on the Mandalorian, they used unlicensed costumes from these fan groups. Yeah. And so it, it it's crazy to kind of see where all of this is going because you join these groups and you join these these modelers who are able to make these costumes. And and you know, 3D printing also it it takes so long. I don't know if any of you guys do it, but it takes you're talking a helmet could take up to two or three days to print. 
And so it's, yeah, mine it, took four. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so enough. it's de- right. So it's definitely not like it's a, Oh sweet. I just hit print and it's like my laser jet printer. I'm like, Oh sweet. You know, walk upstairs, grab some water and come down. I've got a helmet. It's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely not like that. And so I think in general, it's really turned a lot of people on to both modeling uh, in, in being able to design stuff and create stuff and then also gotten people into in general resin prop making. I think it's actually done incredible things for people who have been out of work. You know, we have, uh, people who were, were doing plays. They were prop masters for theaters and stuff like that. They've found that there is a network of people that now allows them to be all over the country in terms of being able to sell their products, right? And so, yeah. um, you know, for there's a guy in Chicago named Tim Harrison, and he he does Chicago productions. So when COVID happened and everything got shut down, he was like, well, I, I can do finishing and I do these prints and, you know, make these prints and I make Mandalorian stuff. And uh, he is booked out six months in advance because people want his stuff. Wow. So it's it's done really incredible things for the creative community. And it's been fun to to see these things come to life. And like I said, also to respect the work that went into making this stuff on the show because – like I said, we have what we saw Boba Fett on screen for a grand total of maybe ten minutes. Yeah, and yeah, and his <laughs> not right, a lot to and go his, on. Right, and his character design was made by Joe Johnson, who would later go on to direct Captain America: The First Avenger. You know that design basically kicked off Dave Filoni and John Favreau's obsession with this. Whoever his Boba Fett's people were. Mm-hmm. And it just goes to show you how incredible a costume can be in terms of adding to the lore of of what Star Wars is. So how much, it, realistically, if somebody wanted to do like like a classic Stormtrooper costume, I, I know you said a thousand bucks earlier, but realistically, if you want to put in the work and do a lot, lot of your own finishing, you know, you get a, an unfinished print, what's the cheapest a person could realistically do this? I'm half asking for myself as well. <laughs> asking for a friend. So here's here's kind of the funny part, and you're going to go, oh, man, I'm just asking for a simple answer here. And I unfortunately, Adam, cannot give it to you. If you're 3D printing something, you're most likely in the sharper realm of what would be the Rogue One Stormtrooper. And if you look at the differences between the Rogue One Shore Trooper and the original Trilogy Trooper, they had to update that costume for 4K, Blu-ray, you know, yeah. all of that, because there were so many parts in the original Stormtrooper that it did. Did you guys see the original Stormtrooper for Celebration that was on at auction? No. Did you see that there? So no, I they had. So they have the original one of the original screen used. Uh, I think it was one of the ones from the the Tantive, and it was for you know the bid was like ninety thousand dollars or something like that, and um, which is. Nothing for that prop, right? It's just I haven't figured out how to take out a second mortgage to pay for it. But um, <laughs> that original, you know, that was in an older style um, plastic, and the plastic was actually like the what they used was like a, it's almost like a khaki, like a military tan color. Yeah. And then they spray painted them bright white. So if you look at, you can notice in when they're at Moss Eisley and they, you know, they come to the roadblock and you know what are you doing with these droids? You can see all these little cracks within the sand troopers and you can actually if you go back and look and notice you'll see that the white paint has actually like come off in some of the parts they made those with vacuum forming and those parts specifically for the original trilogy troopers were made in a different way versus the modernized version which uh is a almost like a thermo almost like a rubber Oh, and yeah. so they're flex they're, they're flexible because you saw in Rogue One when they do the ambush, the troopers actually like do aerials, like they flip, they like mm-hmm. blow up, mm-hmm. and they land on that armor. The original armor, that stuff would have cracked, shattered everywhere, super brittle. Yeah, exactly. So, and you'll notice that in the Mandalorian with the Boba episode, you could see that those were the original Rogue One costumes, and they had white duct tape on some of the parts. If you go back and watch the episode, you'll notice that Whoa. those suits are beat up. Um, but that to, to do that and to answer your question shortly after, of course, I haven't, is you could probably get away with, if you were to finish the whole kit yourself by 3D printing, a Rogue One-style trooper, which I don't know if anyone has the actual full body suit for that specific trooper, probably do it for about two, 300 bucks. 
Not bad. That's incredibly cheap. Yep. Just for the filament. And then you're talking about probably about three months of sanding, priming, repainting, all that. Versus if you wanted to buy an original trilogy costume, you could get away with that after you buy the boots and the holster and the neck seal and all that kind of stuff that you would need for 501st approval. Um, You could probably do that for about, I think my last one, I did it for about 700, 800 bucks. I mean... That's an investment, <laughs> like you said. In uh, I thought it was going to be way more than that. Uh, Boba Fett is. I've never seen anyone do a Boba Fett for less than three grand. Yeah, I think Kurtz was like twenty five hundred. Yep, between Devotion. Vader and Bo- Yeah, between <laughs> Vader and Boba Fett, and Boba Fett, you could pay. I mean, most painters are are charging a thousand bucks just for the helmet. Wow, mm-hmm. racket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kurtz did all his own paint. In a much cheaper uh, option, what are your feelings on, and I know this comes more from the Disney side of things, but what are your thoughts on bounding? And if you don't know what bounding is, it's kind of just putting together an outfit to wear to Disney in Galaxy's Edge or the rest of Disney that kind of resembles, for instance, Ahsoka. Or is in the theme You of... know, whether it's color schemes, yeah. that type of thing. Because Disney has a very uh, strict no costume in the park for regular So you're not people. mistaken for a cast member. Exactly. I didn't understand this at first. If you see has- hashtag Disneybound, mm-hmm. that, that's where that's from. That all, that's all that means. Yep. It's just shortened. So yeah, I, I want to bring this into Galaxy's Edge a little bit, um, to me... Right before lockdown is when people were finally figuring out what to do in Galaxy's Edge. Like people finally went enough here anyway in in California to be like bounding started to happen more. People started to have their own events and meetups and stuff like that. It took a solid like eight months for people to just figure out what Galaxy's Edge was and Right at the end, you started to see tons and tons of people bounding. So it's cool, much cheaper option and legal. You won't go to Disney jail. Right. And uh, what's funny is I'm actually seeing because I'm in the your ice. Are you in the Discord, Nick, the Galaxy's Edge Discord? Uh, no. Okay. So the people are sharing these, you know, these costumes and some people like, man, they, they go all in. I mean, literally, like I'm shocked that they're able to get in. And someone isn't stopping them and be like, look, yeah. you look like a cast member. People are going to ask you, how do you get to Toontown? <laughs> like last week, there was a guy that got in to Batu East, which seems to be much more lax than Batu West, wearing a full Krennic kit. Wow. Like he had a cape down to his ankles. And I was like, wait a minute. I thought you weren't allowed to do that. But I guess Florida is very live free or die right now. So I guess we do whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like I feel like the the bounding part of it and and being as someone who I am not a Disney person. I literally got into Disneyland. Yeah, same. I ran through Disneyland just to get to Galaxy's Edge. Same. Um, same. So I'm not a Disney guy at all. But I can see the lore of being like, you know, between the meetups and all that stuff, it's fun. To go and yeah. act like you're a part of this world, it only makes it more immersive. And even the podcast last week, where you guys talk about you know the the Halcyon and the you know the that whole idea of being like, yeah, you can't just show up in your Hawaiian shirt and your loafers, your dungarees, <laughs> right? It's it doesn't you can't do that, right? You can't if you're going to spend twenty five hundred bucks on this incredible immersive experience, fit the part, yeah. and you're going to have fun doing it. So I'm I'm totally on board for for seeing people. I mean, it's just. To me, it's rad to, like, obviously everything is going to be so, like, Instagram photo-driven. Like, it's so good for photos and stuff to be like, right. here's my Ray-inspired bound, my Ahsoka-inspired bound. And it just, it does, it's another sect of everything that we're doing, what you're doing with Armor Party, what we're doing here. It's all about, like, Star Wars culture and the stuff that we all yeah. get to do. Thankfully, Lucasfilm doesn't come after all of us. Shut us all down, you know. <laughs> like, like we're 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 enhancing the brand for free. We're marketing the brand for free for them. And walking, talking, marketing. Yeah, exactly. So it's great that you know people find these loopholes, and Lucasfilm is just like, yeah, that's rad. And that's I think the the part for for being a prop maker, if that's what you'd want to call my my side hustle. You know, I'm like, there's times where you go, yeah, I, I know that I'm obviously making unlicensed stuff, but it's it's unique enough. I'm not confusing it with anything that you'd be able to buy in the park. But the the part that always cracks me up is like, you know, people will come to me to make an ID for their character solely for the purpose of bounding 
at the Black Spire Outpost. Yeah. And yeah. so they'll, they'll send me a paragraph explaining who their character is. I'm like, hey, man, I only just need your picture mm-hmm. and the info you want on it. But, like, I love how passionate people are about the idea that if you're going to go and you're going to, you know, if let's say you don't live in California, you don't live in Florida, and you're going to get on a plane and spend thousands of dollars going to this experience for people to to let go of their average daily whatever life and go and lose themselves to Star Wars, I'm like, those are my kind of people. I think that's so right. Yeah. Dude, I do get bummed that you can't wear full costumes, but there is like this like challenge accepted kind of vibe to bounding where it's like, okay, how do I ride the line and not get busted? Yeah. And I'm excited to do that when, when we finally go back. Well, so the the other thing to, to think about, and and oh, man, I'm, I'm like sharing all my secrets here. Disney After Dark, which is a, Nick, you probably know better than I do, but they're, it's mm-hmm. basically like Disney After Dark is kind of like a special, they only do them a couple times a year. That's when they show, right? Yeah. It's mini, <laughs> it's Correct. real weird. You can see, is, and it, is it? Is that the one? Yeah. Little Mermaid, <laughs> those shells are coming off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, Donald Duck straight up never has pants on. Winnie the Pooh, true. no pants. Right, <laughs> right, just full on, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Classic Disney After Dark. <laughs> right. It's it's very, it's for PG-13 audiences. Um, so Disney After Dark, I think, is this – it's basically a series that kind of lets people into the park later than, I believe, the standard operating hours. And it's for a very specific type of event, whatever that is. And if I'm correct in reading it – so the problem was is that they did Celebration from 2019 in Chicago – And then they announced Celebration 2020 in Anaheim, which traditionally Celebration has always been at least two years apart. And so I remember thinking, well, dang, I don't know if I could do Celebration again. I just went to Celebration Chicago, which I drove to. So I could only imagine the process of flying with my armor. And, you know, yeah, I'm like, I'm going to spend, you know, to go to California. I'm like, man, I'm going to spend, you know, $3,000 again on going to celebration. So I said, I'm not going to go and hold off. And then when everything happened for 2020, I was like, oh no. So now they're going to push it back a year in the same time frame, same exact dates, I think. And it's going to be in Anaheim. So they had a Disney after dark scheduled for the celebration time. And they're allowing, if I'm correct, they're doing basically like food and drink outside of Oga's as well, but they're allowing costumes, full costumes, at least from what I understood. So I went on, I said, okay, well, you know what? I'm going. But of course, those tickets all got canceled. Then they said that they're going to allow for people who bought them for the 2020 to be able to be carried over to 2021. Or 2022, right? 2022. I'm sorry. Yep. You're right. So that is going to be the hottest ticket to get because you'll, it might be the only time we'll be able to go to Batu in armor yeah. and Dude. get every picture that you've ever wanted to get. Freak, the whole, just, just Black Spire, just like crawling with yeah. Unreal. Jedi and bounty this hunters. Actual and, dude, cast everywhere. Yeah. It's so amazing. Not a single person in a tank top or any, yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's going to be amazing. I did have tickets to that. I do not remember if I got a refund, though. I know I carried over my celebration tickets. I didn't ask for a refund for that. But I did have Disney After Dark, Star Wars Night. And I'm, not, I'm now I'll, I'll get back to you on that. I don't remember if I, I got a refund or I not. think if you didn't get them refunded, I believe by default they carry over. So oh, you already okay. have – you've already won the golden ticket, Nick, I think. Ooh, dope. So that's what I'm going to try to get. Now everybody who's listening to the podcast is going to be like, all right, I need to get that too. I don't know why I said that. Now <laughs> I'm going to have to hit F5 even harder. So, All right. Well, let's let's wrap up this podcast, but let's first do something we haven't done in a while. You want to do a little lightning round in the test bay? Oh, let's do it. A major weapons test is imminent. Test play 94. You may fire when ready. Okay, this is all themed around you and the reason you're here in your new podcast. You talked about your Din Djarin costume that you're making. We've talked about Boba Fett. So in a costume sense, the either or, Din Djarin or Boba Fett? Boba Fett. Which sounds ironic because I'm building a Dinjarin, but uh, that costume is so badass, and the amount of work that goes into it 
is one of those things where you finish it and go, I made that. And, yeah. and then if you had to pull the trigger and be like, I got to get rid of this, people are selling them for twenty five hundred three grand. If you need to, not that people like to, but the yeah. other pr- the problem with the problem with boba though is you always have to have the backpack on, and you know this, yeah. Adam. You have to have someone screw it in. Oh yeah, it's Boba's, like Boba's backpack has to be screwed on. It's a scuba tank back. <laughs> yeah, you don't get dressed by yourself in that Boba Fett suit. It doesn't happen. Right, honey, can you come screw my tank on again? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, then we're getting a divorce. Yeah, I work with Kurt's wife, and she's like, God, I'm so glad you're going. If I had to put that shit on him one more time. <laughs> <laughs> My wife has never seen Star Wars. She's never seen... Whoa. Like she, yeah, she's never... Like, we are just so opposite ends on that. She's not into fantasy-based stuff. And when I put on my parts of my you know, my flight suit for Din, she was like, okay, are you done? And I was like, no. I was like, I have to put like seven more pieces on. We got to put the cape on still. She's like, you better find a friend who can come over and do this because I have no tolerance for this because she doesn't get it, right? It's like, put a hoodie on, you're done. Okay, good. Amazing. All right, favorite things, favorite trooper helmet ever? I think the shore trooper is my favorite look in that, it has the blast shield that they got from trench warfare in World War One, which if a soldier would look up above the trench and hope they didn't get blasted, they had an extra front to the helmet that gave them extra armor in the front. And that got carried over. That was the design inspiration for the Shore Trooper. And just seeing Scarif, I think, maybe has something that I think is really cool and seeing it in a tropical sense that we had never seen before and seeing guys seeing troopers that had a look that felt like, man, these guys fit right here in this, in this place. Mm-hmm. And the difference, they, that's the first time we saw like real big designations in terms of shore trooper captain has more blue on his chest. The squad, yeah, yeah. Lead, the squad leader has the little camo skirt. The nuance that we've only really seen in, in like Clone Wars, basically. Exactly. And, and there was, there was, I think in Clone Wars, there was way, they actually were much more free with being able to let the clones have different paint jobs and all that kind of stuff. We kind of lost yeah. that in the, in the empire. But if, if I'm thinking what's my favorite helmet right now in all of Star Wars, man, I think the shore trooper might, it, that's it for today. China, all right. <laughs> Ask me again on Friday. I might give you a different answer and I'm totally not going to think about this at 11 o'clock at night tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. All right. Would you rather, this is big. I don't know how I, how I would answer this myself. Would you rather own, forget how much this would cost. You just, you just get to obtain and own a full set of screen used armor from the original trilogy, Stormtrooper armor, or get to be on screen yourself like the 501st members got to do in the Mandalorian. There's no, there's no downside here, but still. I would say that the the financial advisor would say own an asset of almost invaluable cost, which would be a full, <laughs> a full screen used <laughs> armor. Now, ironically, one there was a guy who actually was one of the five hundred first members. He sold his suit as because it was screen used. Wow, screen used. Yeah, and he sold it for a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, hey, you know, like if you have no qualms about being like, oh, I'm just gonna. I'm not even going to cut ties. I'm going to slash ties with this <laughs> this thing. Well, I guess if you love making them too, it just gives you an excuse to A, make a ton of money and B, go make another one. Yeah. Right. I can fund my Boba Fett for free. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I, I personally would rather be on screen because I think eventually you get to a point where things are just things. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's like how I'm rationalizing being on set and being on like what those Jeff Leon and those guys that got to be on the show, you will never, ever forget that. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about that on the pod, just how, what an unforgettable thing that is. I mean, also for someone like you that puts so much passion into this, like immortalizing your work, it's, it's like you built yep. that, that suit and your hard work went into creating it. And now it's, it's there forever. And like, there's something you become part of another universe from all that hard work, something unreal about that, which makes you think of how crazy it would be for someone like Paul Young Sung Lee, who was Carson Teva, right? The X-Wing pilot who mm-hmm. you know, saves Din and then, you know, gives Cara Dune the, the medal. He's a 501st member in Canada. He has multiple costumes. He was a 501st yeah. member 
he just happened to know Deborah Chow. And so Deborah called him up and was like, hey, we might have this little part. Do you want to come visit set? And he was like, of course, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I absolutely. And then gets cast in the show. Yeah. As and then like is helping the guys who are on the show being like, oh yeah, well I actually make an X-wing pilot, so I can help you like harness and understand how these this rigging goes. I can only imagine what that would have felt like. And he did his character so well, and I hope we see more of him in in um, Rangers of the New Republic. Um, yeah. I hope I hope we see more of that because I can only imagine how that feels as a person who loves this franchise so much enough to sink thousands of dollars into recreating costumes from it and trying to feel like you're a part of it. And then to be cast in the freaking show, you're like, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. So 100% experience over possessions or objects. Yep, I'd have to. It, which, of course, I'm building possessions. So, man, mm-hmm. that's a tough one. What are you doing to me here? <laughs> I like your answer. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's my answer. Final answer. Well, dude, before we wrap up, tell the listeners everything they need to know about your upcoming podcast. When it drops, how frequent the episodes are, remind them what it's called. So, yeah, th- uh, under the Thank the Maker Network, which we're expanding, I'm so excited for that and obviously grateful for for taking the opportunity to to go on this journey. And and obviously just what a success this show has been for me and for other people who have followed along with it. You know, obviously we have all these connections with you guys through all your music. And then to kind of get on that level of being like, this is where we're all friends in this regard, is if you're on this level of Star Wars fandom, you're one of us now, right? We're buds. And yeah, for sure. And so I think that's what's made this community really welcoming and really fun, which inspired you know me to say, hey, I'm going to go out there and do something new too. So of course, thanks for being so supportive of it. And the show itself is going to be called Armor Party. To start off, we're going to drop on Tuesdays and it's going to be every, I think we're going to do every two weeks just to get started to see how it goes. And if that is more frequent, uh, then, hey, let's make it more frequent. But they'll they'll drop every Tuesday, and our first episode is going to drop on May 4. So you'll be able to finish Bad Batch for an hour and a half or whatever that awesome runtime is going to be. And then go yes. and, and listen, to the, uh, listen to the podcast and really let this community just connect with each other. I think that's going to be it because I want to push people who are like-minded and to be able to appreciate each other's work. And whether that's through being a prop maker or that's through being podcasters who are supporting Star Wars through the fandom like you guys, uh, that's part of why we're doing this. So it's going to be for for people who have been interested in costuming, people who have wanted to appreciate prop building, who've wanted to appreciate the, the background of what went into making Star Wars costumes, what they are. If you enjoyed the conversation that we had tonight, you're going to obviously enjoy what we're going to talk about on the show. So our parties come in may 4 there's going to be a lot of star wars on may 4 i can't wait super pumped while we're talking about um fans and listeners and nerds who all get on the same level and we're all buds i want to shout out patron henry clark who was number one the the person who got us at thank the maker on twitter so number one awesome thing that henry did and then thanks bud number two is hooking me up with a GPU because it's the GPU apocalypse right now and I can't get a graphics card for my PC to play games and to build 3D models and to make bestiality deepfakes of my band members. <laughs> um, so he's hooking me up with this GPU and I'm so thankful, dude. You're amazing. Shout out to Henry Clark. I also want to say, this is a fun fact, although it's not that fun. It'll be more fun if you respond to this and do something for us. Did you know that half of the listeners of this podcast week to week are not subscribed. Oh, come on. I did not know that. We get as many new listeners weekly as we have our sort of uh, recurring base. Mm-hmm. So if you like this episode, if you like any of these episodes, mash that button. M- yeah, it's mash free. Mash the hell out of it. Probably subscribe. takes less than 10 seconds and it's free. Yeah, it's the cost of pressing your screen. Listen, here's your choice. Give us money or do something for free. Which one are you going to do? <laughs> Just mash it. The answer is both. The answer is both. If you do want to give us money and support this podcast and help us do more things and grow the network, yeah, you can go to patreon.com slash thinkthemakerpod and become a patron there. At the lowest tier, we just have two tiers. At the lower tier, you get access to the Discord server and you just support and that's good and that's fun stuff. But if you do the $15 tier, the Jedi tier, you also get access to after show content, a bunch of extra stuff on Patreon and uh, you get you get more status in that Discord. It's real cool. That's important. And you get to find out when we're going to do the Thank the Maker meetup at too. Mm. Cuz that's happening. Oh yeah. And I know that's that going to happen. 
that when as soon as this episode drops, the Discord's going to blow up because we're talking about it. <laughs> and that's what I'm also excited about for going back to the two and for everybody nerding out together with our Disney bounds. So in the meantime, Mike, where can folks find you on the internet? Uh, find uh, find us at Honda Supply on Facebook and Instagram. I'm way more active on Instagram because I like that community a lot better. Uh, and then we'll also be revealing Armor Party uh, through there. So follow us at Honda Supply. And then for the next couple of weeks, you'll definitely be invited to, to listen to Armor Party uh, and, and join us over on that social. So that'll be a little bit more focused on, you know, we're going to be sharing a lot more props and costumes and details as well, stuff like that. So uh, I think it'll be... If you're into this stuff, it will be worthy of a follow. Agreed. If you're looking for the podcast on social media, you can find us, like we said before, on Twitter at ThankTheMaker, on Instagram at ThankTheMakerPod. Once again, patreon.com slash ThankTheMakerPod to support. My stuff is all at Adam the Skull. I don't know if you guys know this about me, but when I, when I sneeze, Never in my life do I go like less than 12 to 15 sneezes. <laughs> wow. It's sometimes many more than that. I'm on like definitely on eight or 10 already right now. Wow. <laughs> I've been muted because it's, it's all happening. Hold on. <laughs> Might have to amputate. You better not cut this out, Adam. Don't cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> so much snap. You can find me on the internet at William Ryan Key. Or at Mucinex. <laughs> at Kleenex. Be right back. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Bayside. And thank you all for buying merch at thanktomakermerch.com. We all finally have our own shirts. They're great. I'm wearing one right now. We have a new one coming. Adam's wearing the, the Top Gun Star Wars mashup. And yeah, we got a new one coming. Mike was uh, so kind to make us like my favorite design so far. I love Top Gun. But this one is the Ewok They Ate That Lady design. <laughs> It's so sick. I'm so pumped. Oh, it's to such get a it. good shirt. That's coming. All right. I'm back for the end. Mike, thanks again <laughs> for being here. Everybody, <laughs> thanks for listening. And until next week, <laughs> may the force be with you. 